This podcast is Challenging Opinions and is presented by William Campbell. Thank you for downloading the Challenging Opinions podcast from March 30th, 2020. With everything going on, it might be hard to remember that there are other things going on. In this podcast, I challenge a resolute anti-abortion campaigner about the underpinnings of his views. Challenging Opinions is the podcast where ideas are tested. Whether you are left or right, conservative or progressive, devout or skeptic, what matters is the strength of your argument, not the strength of your voice. Coming up in a few minutes, but a very simple program that could perhaps be extended to protect unborn children would be paid maternity leave, and the United States is the only developed country on earth that doesn't have well, we paid can, maternity leave. We can leave. argue all day about oh, no, who hold, gets hold paid on for what and how Fletcher, much Fletcher, they get paid point, and all Fletcher. of those things, but that doesn't, that doesn't justify killing a human being. I absolutely Let's agree. Suppose but you're right. Let's not, suppose... no, that's not the point I'm pursuing, Fletcher. The point I'm pursuing okay. is that their uh, concern for the rights of children is very peculiarly concentrated on, as you would put it, unborn children. That's coming up shortly. But first, I want to thank all of my donors on Patreon. I appreciate everyone who contributes. Patreon is a system that allows people to donate a buck or two per podcast or per month, and that helps me to devote more time to research and finding interesting guests. And if you think that you could do the same, there's details on the website and at the end of the show. Father, abandoned child, wife, husband, one brother, another, for this illness seemed to strike through the breath and sight, and so they died and none could be found to bury the dead for money or friendship. Members of a household brought their dead to a ditch as best they could, without priests, without divine offices. Great pits were dug and piled deep with the multitude of dead, and they died by the hundreds both day and night. And as soon as those ditches were filled, more were dug. And I, Agnolo di Tura, buried my five children with my own hands. And there were also those who were so sparsely covered with earth that the dogs dragged them forth and devoured many bodies throughout the city. There was no one who wept for any death, for all awaited death. And so many died that all believed it was the end of the world. That's a quote from the Italian chronicler Agnolo di Tura about the effects of the Black Death, which did a deadly circuit of Europe in the 1340s and 1350s, killing perhaps a third of the population or more. It returned at various intervals for centuries, causing more localised but sometimes just as deadly epidemics. But don't let that get you too paranoid. This disease can now be easily cured with antibiotics, which weren't available in the 14th century. Nevertheless, the Black Death is something that still haunts the culture of Europe and beyond. The Danse Macabre, with its awkward dancing skeletons, is still a common image, as is that of the Plague Doctor with the black gown and the long beak-like plague mask. 
the southern German village of Oberammergau still follows a vow that they would faithfully perform a passion play reenacting biblical stories every decade if they were spared the plague that ravaged the area in the 1630s. But even more influential for an event that happened nearly 700 years ago are the social and economic effects of the Black Death. The poor died much more than the rich in the Black Death, there's a surprise. They died more because they lived in much closer quarters, allowing much more contagion, and they didn't have the luxury of isolating themselves in castles or country houses. But in the years after the plague subsided, the tables turned. Feudal Europe's power structures were reversed when labourers realised that there was an abundance of farmland, all owned by the rich and the food that it produced, but a shortage of workers. That shift in the power dynamics in the market meant that peasants could negotiate a much better deal for themselves with their landlords they were previously tied to. This greatly destabilised feudalism and can be seen as the starting point for many of the changes that came in Europe in the following centuries. Some scholars have even attributed the Italian Renaissance to the effects on society of the Black Death. That's a bit above my pay grade, but it's not unusual for economists to attribute big advances in society and the economy to apparently destructive upheavals. The comparative success of the German economy compared to Britain in the aftermath of World War II is seen as ironic, given that the British won the war and the Germans lost, but it's not that surprising. The total destruction of Germany meant that old power structures were thrown out. To a significant extent, people who got rich in that period in Germany started out with nothing, and got rich because of their talents and efforts. In Britain, whose class system was not disrupted by defeat, you got rich if your parents were rich. That meant that enterprise was rewarded in Germany, stagnation was rewarded in Britain, not so surprising that Germany did better. It looks like we're going into another upheaval now, hopefully not nearly as dramatic, but even if the pandemic fades quickly, there are likely to be lasting effects, an obvious one, is the demand for healthcare reform in the United States. The full effects of the virus are by no means clear in the US, or anywhere else for that matter, but the hugely inflated cost of healthcare and its inaccessibility to millions of people is coming under pressure like never before. In the UK, the outgoing Labour Party leader Jeremy Corbyn claimed that the virus response had proven that he had won the argument in the election that he lost so spectacularly, he had won the argument for big government and big spending programmes. That's more than a little self-regarding, but he has a point that government programmes that so many conservative and centre-right European countries were very recently saying were completely impossible, they're doing them now. Requisitioning hospitals, housing people who are sleeping on the streets, giving significant cash handouts to people who have lost their jobs, banning evictions and rent increases. I'm reading some dire predictions of the possible death toll in the United States. I hope they aren't true, but if those deaths are to be avoided, it will mean saving people's lives with hugely expensive treatment to people who are un- or underinsured, and the only way to do that is with federal government action. And once that's done, 
it's going to be difficult to argue that it's impossible to do. Do you agree? Do you disagree? If you want your point of view heard, email podcast at challengingopinions.com and say what you think. On the line, I have Fletcher Armstrong. Fletcher is the Southeast Director for the Centre for Bioethical Reform. He's also the National Director for what they call their Genocide Awareness Project. Fletcher, tell me exactly what is the Centre for Bioethical Reform? Well, we're an organization that uh, uh, we address a a full range of bioethical issues. We Mm -hmm. advocate on behalf of vulnerable people, the aged, the unborn, the infirm. But we spend 99% of our effort on abortion because abortion is uh, what's killing a million Americans every year and and worldwide uh, many millions more. Okay. And you say you primarily focus on abortion. And there's an awful lot of discussion about the details of that. But we are not afraid of high-level ideas here. And let me put to you a question that somebody who disagrees with you might ask. What gives you the right to impose your morals on others? Uh, Only one thing, uh, only one thing, and that is that abortion kills another human being. Uh, we impose our the, the value of society on people who might own slaves. Uh, we say no, you can't own slaves because by doing so, you are uh, uh, you're denying the rights of personhood of another human being. Uh, so societies exist. I mean, one of the key functions of government is to protect the weak from the people who would exploit them, mm-hmm. and uh, we think that's a rational. That's that's. Uh, some of the governments ought to do. Civilized societies ought to protect their weaker members. And um, if the unborn child is a human being and deserves rights of personhood in the same way that you and I deserve rights of personhood, then society doesn't have just a right but an obligation to protect those rights. That's was, what America was, really, was founded Fletcher, on. Fletcher, there was a really important word that you sent in that le- last sentence there. And the word was if. If... Right, a child or a fetus or a zygote before birth is a person. And I think that whole argument hangs on that. And one of the reasons why this is perhaps more difficult than a lot of other arguments is because a lot of the major moral kosher war type conflicts, particularly in the US, are essentially Mm -hmm. individual rights versus society rights. And do, you know, one expression of that might be, do gay people as individuals have a right to get married over and above the right of a society to say that that can't happen? And that can be seen in very other, very many other debates, not least Medicare for all, not least many others. But this argument is different, in my view, because it's not a conflict between individual rights and society rights, but it's a conflict between what one side views as the individual rights with what the other side views as individual rights. That's to say one of what you would call the unborn child what, and on the other side what the people would say is, is the, the woman's rights. Can you accept that paradigm? Uh, I think so. And I think, I think, I think but in your two questions, though, kind mm-hmm. of conflicted with each other because your first question is why do I have the right mm-hmm. to impose, why does society have the right to impose um, a, a set of morality on on the rest of society. That's that's a settled question. We have always thought that society had the right to impose morality on individuals who might uh, 
do things like commit murder, uh, own slaves, uh, rape, steal. Sure, sure, uh, but that's fraud, that's, you know, that's all, all predicated. But so, Fletcher, Fletcher, that's all predicated on the, as you would put it, victim of that behavior being regarded as a human being. Yeah, that, what I'm saying is the question is not does society have a right. The question is is the unborn child a human being? Yeah, that's that's who everything hangs right on that. Person, really, doesn't that it? is the question. That yeah. is the question. Does okay, the that's, human that's really the, okay. So then, my question for you is: You're clearly someone who wants abortion to be illegal. Would that be in right. all cases with no exceptions? Well, uh, if the mother's life is in danger. Uh, we always have said that uh, abortion should be permitted. Oh, okay. Pause, uh, pause, pause, that, pause that. Pause that. Pause that. I'll, I'll put sure. a pin in that, and we'll come back to that. Aside from uh, that, would you say abortion should be illegal in all cases? Uh, in all cases, other than that, abortion unjustly takes the life of another human being. We don't see any reason that uh, if so, the so unborn you say child be is a human being. Yes. Okay. What should the penalty be then for a woman who has an abortion? None. Uh, the penalty should uh, go to the uh, doctor who does it. Women who have abortions, they've been lied to, they're frightened, they're being pressured, they're under immense pressure. All, that all of we them? We don't really have fully understand. All of them? Uh, you, you can't parse it out like that. No, women, but surely there are our, some our, women our who have an abortion who are fully our, aware of... of are you saying there are no there women at all? Yeah, okay, okay. And what should, the penalty, our, our, what should be the penalty then? Hold on, Fletcher, Fletcher. I want to tease this out. Sure. We'll do it step by step. What should the penalty be then for a woman who is fully aware, is not being pressured, is not being lied to? What A woman in that circumstance who has an abortion, what should the penalty be for her? We believe that abortion, the, the penalty should be to the doctor who performs abortion, not to the woman. That's, that's, that's 100%. Uh, that's what our organization believes. That's what I believe. We should uh, penalize the doctor who performs abortion. When abortion used to be illegal in the country uh, before, that was how it was done. We, okay, we okay. penalized the and doctor who did it. Pause with that because I want to put a pin in that and I'm going to come back to that as well. But. Yeah. Then I just want to get a clear definition of abortion. Do you view any interruption of pregnancy from conception onwards, or do you have some later time that you would regard that as an abortion? Uh, any From the moment of uh, fertilization, when the egg and the sperm come together and form a new human being, mm -hmm. uh, we believe it's morally wrong to kill a human being at any stage of development, uh, okay. born or unborn. What, what I'd put you, to you then, Fletcher, is that there is a grey area that goes from very white to very black, but there's a large area of grey. And I think mm -hmm. everybody knows that there's a large area of grey. And I think indeed also you know that there's a large area of grey. Because nobody really believes that having an abortion is the same as murdering a person. Not even the strongest of anti-abortion advocates such as you, because you're saying that a woman who has an abortion should not suffer any criminal penalty, no matter if her state of awareness and her, her complicity, as you might see it in that, is total. Nobody would, well, say, that for, nobody would say that for any other case of murder. 
if as you, you would see you it. can debate you can debate you can debate who's guilty and who's complicit no, no, and the no, level no, no. of guilt I want to, I want to examine can't. what you said Fletcher, I want to examine what you said because you said that really almost I'm telling in, you in in no circumstances should the woman suffer any penalty and indeed that is very different to any other way in which a murder as you might see it would be prosecuted surely you there are acknowledging that a murder that abortion is not murder. I know I'm not acknowledging that at all. I'm but, saying but you're that saying the it should be treated completely differently. Uh, uh, perhaps it should be, but it's still killing an innocent human being. But it's a it's different still thing. killing an innocent human being. The doctor knows what he's doing, mm-hmm. and and he should be held accountable for that. He he more than anybody else in the equation knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He knows so that a he's woman, killing uh, a human uh, being. And if it were illegal, he would know that it was illegal. Sure, and so no doubt with the woman. Maybe, but she is not, uh, a a teenager is not as fully aware of what's going on as a doctor. He is trained to do this. Uh, That might be mitigation. Hold hold on for a second, hold on for a second. He he sees the baby parts, he knows exactly what he's doing. Uh, No, uh, well, first of all, I, um, I think that biology might not be accurate, but I don't think either of us are doctors, so I'm not going to debate the biology of it with you. But for a large proportion of uh, uh, abortions, in fact, the great majority early abortions can be done with an abortion pill, and that terminates the pregnancy. That can be done, it may not be medically advisable, but it can easily be done completely without a doctor. Who would you prosecute in that case? Uh, the people who sell the pill to her, she, she should be, uh, the, the people who are doing this at, at some level, uh, it's a matter of, of gaining people's compliance, but we're no, we're nowhere close to that mm-hmm. in our country. You can kill the baby all the way up until the moment of birth. And if, by the way, you intend but to kill the baby, rare. uh, if it's, it doesn't matter if it's rare, it's still legal. Uh, and in, and if, uh, 1% of the cases, uh, almost 1% of abortions occur after, uh, during the third trimester. What's well, 1% yeah, but of those the are, those are, but that's, Fletcher, that's Fletcher, like the 10, figures, the figures are, you're 10, correct. The, yes, Fletcher, you're correct. And those overwhelmingly relate to where there is a situation either of fetal or abnormality or of a threat I to the health or the life of the woman. I think that's correct. I don't think that's correct. Late abortions uh, still are get overwhelmingly abortions. for very serious, I, I for very serious medical I reasons. I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't believe that's correct. I will get that reference but and I'll it, put it in the, in the show notes is, for the podcast. But but pause, pause, Fletcher. Pause, Fletcher. We, we, I will make right. sure that you get your, your point across. But I want to make sure you have my, <laughs> I want to make sure you have my question. Can okay. you not accept that your very, very sharp, crystal clear line the moment of conception is not accepted by society and is not really accepted by anyone, not even you, as evidenced by the fact that you don't actually advocate that an abortion be treated as though it were a murder. If we're going to look at what society wants, what society No, well, I'm not happy to look at what you want. Well, I'm happy to look at that too, but you brought it up. You, sure, you brought sure. up what society accepts. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Society says that abortion, uh, the last time this question was answered in a poll, and I don't think attitudes have changed that much, uh, something, uh, 58% of Americans said that abortion should be legal, mm-hmm. illegal, after the onset of the heartbeat. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so what people want is a lot. Uh, yes, most Americans don't agree with exactly with me, but even fewer Americans agree with the current law as it is right now. And the current law as it is right now is that you can kill the baby throughout all nine months of pregnancy. And by the way, in certain states, if you uh, are in the middle of killing the baby and the baby somehow gets born before he's dead, you can kill him on the table. And that's what's going on. That's what happened in New York State uh, about a year or so ago. Uh, most Americans do not support that. Most Americans support something in the middle that's a lot closer to what I believe. They believe abortion should be legal in extreme cases, but uh, certainly not late-term abortion, as is legal now. And in fact, 58% uh, in the latest survey that I'm aware of that asked this question said abortion should not be legal. Uh, okay, I'm, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to challenge you on those facts because I don't think it's, it's – I'm much more interested in debating the, uh, the, the actual ideas with you. And one other thing that perhaps gives us a clue as to how people view this and how society in general views this is with miscarriage – and indeed with stillbirth compared to the death of a child. And there's no question that women, and indeed their partners, men, experience grief very often with miscarriage. But there's also no question that that's in, at an entirely different level to that that might happen with the death of a child, a young child. Okay, and okay, it, I can isn't, speak isn't to that directly. No, no, pause, 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 that, pause for a moment. I've been it, there. I know what this is like. Okay, I've no, but, but uh, well, wait, wait for my question, Fletcher. My question okay. is, doesn't that indicate to us that we view life starting at an indeterminate point? Now, you may well have a good point in terms of a very late-term abortions. As I understand it, the number of late, very late-term abortions that occur for non-medical reasons are is infinitesimally small, but that's not neither here nor there. It is true, isn't it, Fletcher, that this is something that, in the view of society, life is something that doesn't start at a particular point. Okay, let me let me uh, let me clarify something. Yeah. Uh, when my son was 19 weeks old in the womb, he mm -hmm. died. Mm-hmm. And we held in our hands a 19-week-old uh, child. Mm -hmm. Now, um, we had another uh, girl, baby girl, that died after she was born at two I'm months. Sorry to hear that. Uh, well, it was a, it was a bad time, mm -hmm. but you know that those these things happen. We uh, that's that's part of life is that we don't live forever, and some of us get very long lives, and some get very short lives. Mm -hmm. uh, I have another son who's now 30. And I, you know, I looked at my two-month-old, and she died, and I didn't feel the same amount of grief for her as I would at, if I had lost a teenage son. Why? Because I know the teenage son more. I've spent more time with the teenage son. I have more invested in the teenage son. Just like when I read in the paper, uh, somebody died, some child died across town that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to feel the same level of grief for that child as I would for my own teenage child. But that doesn't mean that that other child is less of a human being. It doesn't mean that Grace was less of a human being than Chad. It doesn't mean that Jonathan was less than a human being, less of a human being than than uh, than Chad was. I just knew Chad better. 
and and I, it would I have been unfortunately and he's, he's still very much alive. I, I'm very <laughs> I'm very glad to hear that. And, and, and I'm different. sorry and I'm sorry for your loss on that. And I don't want to personalize it to you. Well, but, but can, no, can well, I, can I, I give you I'm an not take, I'm not taking it. I'm not taking it wrong. I'm not. I'm not mm-hmm. saying you shouldn't. I'm just saying that I have a personal experience talking about this. I don't mind talking about it. Uh, sure. It's been a but long I'm, time, I'm not, it's been many I'm, years, but the level of, of humanity doesn't depend on what one of us thinks of a person. I, I understand. Your humanity doesn't depend on what I, whether I like you or not, whether I... No, you know, no, no, but, but, but Fletcher, it hold, hold, Fletcher hold on for, hold on for one second. Fletcher, hold on for one second. There is more recent, uh, uh, the most recent research would indicate that a far higher number of pregnancies end in miscarriage than was previously believed, something up to 40% of pregnancies, that's to say post-fertilization, end in miscarriage spontaneously. And clearly, the later the miscarriage, early miscarriages can potentially not even be noticed by the uh, right. uh, by the woman. And I'm trying to look at not your particular individual circumstance, but just how society views it in general. And if somebody you knew had a miscarriage, maybe they've been trying for a baby, it wouldn't be a terribly insensitive thing to do to put your arm around them and say, you know, I'm sorry about that. I'm, You know, you can try again. I'm sure you'll be able to get pregnant and have a baby soon. That would be quite a normal thing to say for someone. But if somebody, had a, if, if somebody had a child who died and you did the same thing, you put, you know, you said, I'm sorry for that. And Usher, you can have another one. That would be entirely insensitive. And I'm just trying to tease out the point with you that as a whole, society views a baby as an entirely different thing. And you use the word baby, which is you know, you're entitled to do it. It's used colloquially, but it's not medically correct for a fetus that is at an early stage. We'll call them a human being. I, 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 I say it's a child. If, we, we, if you don't want to call it a baby, we wouldn't call it a child or a human being. Well, well I, I don't want to get hung, hung up on the vocabulary. What I'm really asking you is, isn't <laughs> well, that... Well, you just did. It, 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 well, no, I'm t- I'm, I am trying to Point out the, the the variation in that and, and get past that because I'll have a hundred people who will be sending me emails saying, Oh, I said the wrong word. So I'm just trying to say there isn't really there isn't really an agreed word. So I, I'm just it trying won't to, be me, but but that's maybe fine. Not, maybe not, maybe not. But my my point is my point is that the position that you take of life starting with conception would A indicate that something in the region of forty percent of all human beings are never noticed by any other human being. And B, that's just a much harder, cleaner line than the than society as a whole accepts. That is true, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure I understand the question, but this idea of drawing a line, you know, uh, 150 years ago in this country, we drew lines based on skin color. And we said that people on that side, the other side of the skin color line, was uh, a property and you could own him. He was black. But mm-hmm. every time that people draw lines between people who must be protected, whose rights must be protected, and people whose rights may be violated, the people always drawing the lines, the people who draw the lines, always put themselves on the protected side of the line. 
And the people who are on the other side of the line that they say can be exploited are either people who are in our way or have something that we want. So we will... Uh, uh, when okay, Nazis, well, let's, let's uh, go with, that. Let's go with that idea, Fletcher. Let's go with that idea. And you say people who should be protected. And as I'm sure you know better than most people, there's a massive anti-abortion movement in the United States. There isn't a equivalent movement for children who are alive. There are children who are in child protective services who are suffering horrendously because nobody's bothered to fund it well enough or to make sure it's well enough managed. There are children who are literally dying because of lack of basic health coverage. There are children who suffer incredible abuse with the indifference of a great number of people. Can you see that level of, that contrast between the enormous anti-abortion movement and the only very slight concern for vulnerable children doesn't speak well, does it? Okay, okay. Well, okay. All of that's entire. what you just said is entirely false. We have total government programs. I won't say they're totally well managed. I won't say they're all doing, that they're making life perfect for every other person. Uh But we have programs in place to... Uh, protect and serve the needs of of other classes of citizens. We don't have hardly any government programs that protect and serve the needs of unborn children. And if there's a child who's being abused uh, in uh, next door, okay, the well, solution well, to that you, is, not, very, is not to go clever, find an unborn child you. and kill an unborn child. You can't kill an unborn child and think that that somehow makes the life of a born child who's being abused any better. That's ridiculous. No, that, that, that is true. But a very simple program that could perhaps be extended to protect unborn children would be paid maternity leave. And the United States is the only developed country on earth that doesn't have paid maternity leave and has barely any maternity leave at all. Well, we, could, to, we could argue all day about no, no, who hold, gets hold paid on for it and how much they and all of those things. But that doesn't, that doesn't justify killing a human being. I, I, I absolutely Let's agree. Suppose but, you're right. Let's not, suppose... no, that's not the point I'm pursuing, Fletcher. The point I'm pursuing okay. is that that does tend to bolster a suspicion that the people who say they are against abortion because they're concerned for the rights of children, it's when you see that their concern for the rights of children is very peculiarly concentrated on, as you would put it, unborn children, that tends to undermine faith in that particular argument, doesn't it? We have a word for that. It's mm-hmm. called ad hominem. It's an ad hominem attack. No, it's not. No, it's not. No, no, killing. you're missing. You, yeah, that, in that case, you cannot, Fletcher, Fletcher, you you're, misunderstanding, you're misunderstanding you the word ad, justify ad hominem. Killing, you cannot justify killing an unborn child. So you look at the people who advocate protecting unborn children and see something that you say they're doing wrong and you want to talk about what they're doing wrong. No, no, you're misunderstanding what I'm saying in that case, Fletcher. Fletcher, Fletcher. What what I'm saying is that their motivation doesn't seem to be what they're claiming it is. Well, but that's still an ad hominem. It still doesn't answer the question of whether it's okay to kill a human being. Correct. It doesn't address that. Where do we draw the line between human beings that that we may kill? It doesn't address that, but it does tend to undermine the argument nonetheless. I don't think it does at all. It does at all. I, you know, if I, if you, I, I have, I don't study your life. I mm-hmm. don't know what your beliefs are, and I don't try to pick them apart because that has nothing to do 
with the question of whether it's okay to kill a human being or not, and which human beings may we kill, and which human beings must we protect. We can have the discussion about that without looking at uh, somebody else's motives and saying, oh, well, you're only doing one thing, you're not doing ten things. There are many injustices in society. Mm-hmm. And you can work on any one you want. If you if you feel like that there's one that you have a particular calling and and uh, uh, that you want to advocate for, that's fine. I mean, I give money to other organizations too. I don't I don't work at them full time because mm-hmm. I'm only one person. Mm-hmm. But but you know, if you go to the American Heart Association, they're not doing anything about kidney disease. Kidney mm-hmm. disease can kill you just as much as heart disease can. But they're working on. Heart disease. That's a great analogy. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. That's a great analogy, Fletcher. And and for sure, that that's that's a reasonable way to put it. That uh, the American Heart Association, they're working on heart disease. They're not working on kidney disease, but equally, Fletcher, they're not advocating improving uh, the lives of people with heart disease by damaging the lives of people with kidney disease. I don't think. Uh, well, that, there's no. How does that have anything to do with what the pro-life people are doing? Well, We're well, not let, advocating let say, damaging me, other for people. For example, for example, President Trump has gained huge amount of support. Uh, ironically, I would think um, from the evangelical movement and from the anti-abortion movement, because he specifically promised to reshape the Supreme Court to overturn Roe versus Wade. That's to say to essentially take over one of the most important institutions of the United States with a singular goal. Take over? Are you kidding me? What, yes. Are you kidding me? No, the left politicized the Supreme Court back when Reagan was president. No, I Fletcher, wasn't born just yesterday. The Fletcher, left Fletcher, politicized Fletcher, the my Supreme is, Court a long time ago. Fletcher, my point is that the, he, President Trump, with great support from the anti-abortion movement, promised to select justices with the explicit aim of achieving a particular legal outcome. That is, I mean, you can support it or not, but it is true, isn't it? That's exactly what Obama did. That's exactly what not, Clinton not, did. It's not, exactly I'm what they all did. They put I'm not, people in there Fletcher, who Fletcher, have I'm not a arguing particular point of view. Bad. Fletcher, I'm not arguing whether it's good or bad. I'm just saying that position and, is and true, And here's the difference. It? Here's the difference. Overturning Roe does not make abortion illegal. All it does is it puts the decision-making back, back in the, the hands of the legislatures where it belongs. Yeah, I, There's I, nothing I, I in the Constitution that. that says abortion should be legal or illegal. I, I, I those understand Those matters that. that are silent in the Constitution ought to be... Uh, the Tenth Amendment says that when the Supreme Court... The Tenth Amendment says when the, in the United States government has specific enumerated powers... And any power specifically not granted to the uh, to the to the federal government belong to the states and mm-hmm. to the people respectively. That's the Tenth Amendment. I There's nothing that. in the uh, but, uh, in the Constitution on, Fletcher, that allows on, the federal government to decide some of these questions. Before, before we get too diverted, my point is that this issue is something that has attracted a level of attention of devotion and of determination that is singular. You would agree with that? Um, well, I will accept that as a proposition. I don't yeah. know. I haven't thought about that question. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely singular. And it is remarkable that, for example, protecting 
children, for example, protecting poor children, for example, protecting ill children who have no health insurance has not We have attracted. health programs for children. We have health programs, federal and state health programs for, to, for children who need health care. So to say that we don't have anything... That's no, no, I'm the, not saying it doesn't have anything. I'm saying that it has not, not attracted the singular focus that abortion has. That's, and in that's particular, because there's something special about killing a million people a year. There's something special about that. There's something specifically horrific about killing a million people a year. In, and in those particular, people then deserve Fletcher, to have Fletcher. their voices heard. In, in particular, for example, what is called abstinence education tends to gain its support from the same support base as people who are opposed to abortion. Isn't that well, I don't know what... Uh, you know, people talk about abstinence education. Mm -hmm. I don't favor anybody being ignorant about what birth control is, how it works, or anything like that. So, the, Well, I'm, um, I'm very glad to hear that, and I think that's entirely uh, consistent. But I don't think anybody your... does. I, I, oh, I don't oh, oh want, yes, they do. Uh, oh, yes, they do. I, I, I'm not sure they do. I'm not, I don't think that's true. Uh, there, there are literally bandwagons that, that travel the country. There are literally bandwagons that travel the country that that's, take that. over the sex education slot and explicitly say, we're not going to give any information to teenagers about sex other than that they shouldn't do it. And it is well, possible you, you, you to... Show, you, hold on, Fletcher, Fletcher, hold on for a second. It is you show me that and I'll believe it, but uh, I, it, I'm not going to accept that as a premise. Well, I will put the link in the, in the show notes uh, for this because scientific studies have been done on this and it's possible to trace how these people travel around the country by the outbreaks of venereal disease and teen pregnancies that follow them because children get... Uh, teenagers get riled up and they get enthusiastic about this for a week, but they don't get the information that they need. And when the, when the enthusiasm dies away, uh, the libido and the hormones remain, and the result is pretty obvious. Well, I've been living in this country for 62 years, and I'm not aware of any band, any such bands that travel around the country. I'm just not familiar with that. Uh, well, well, I won't question you on that any further, although I do have to say your position that, you, that people should be fully educated is entirely consistent, and but I I think uh, I won't pursue that line of questioning because I think that you're right on that point. But just let me give you one last question, Fletcher. How do you see victory? What do you see success looking like? Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, there there will always be injustice in the world. We're not going to have a perfect world. Mm -hmm. um, but so uh, every time a baby's life is saved, uh, and we hear from women all the time who see the results of our work, they see pictures that we display and they change their minds, and a baby's life is saved because they saw the truth that was being hidden from them by the abortion industry. They saw that they had been lied to. And Are they you telling me about the minds. past? Tell me about the we, future. I asked about the future. Well, in the future, every baby's life that's saved is a is a is a victory, but the victory will come in stages. We would like for Roe v. Wade to be overturned, but after that, we would like the life of every human child to be protected in all fifty states of the United States. For the United for for America, that would be victory for us. Fletcher Armstrong, Southeast Director for the Center for Bioethical Reform and Anti-Abortion Group. Thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. I appreciate it.
Never miss a show. Follow at Challenging O on Twitter and like Challenging Opinions on Facebook for updates on each show's contents. Go to the website for sources and links to what we were talking about. And while we're there, please like the show on Facebook and follow at Challenging O on Twitter. And get in touch with me if you can suggest a guest or a topic for a future show. Also, thanks to everyone who has signed up as a patron on Patreon so far. I really appreciate those people. They help me to devote more time to researching interesting guests and topics. And if you could do the same as them and donate a buck or two per podcast or per month, go to patreon.com slash challenging opinions, or you'll find a link on the website. Also, you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast for free on your computer, on your phone, or by email. It's all at www.challengingopinions.com. Coming up next Monday, that's April 6th, I'll be talking to the blogger and programmer Bill St. Clair about libertarianism, anarchism, and much more. The Challenging Opinions podcast is produced and presented by me, William Campbell. Thank you for listening.